Hello and welcome back to the Rustic Preacher Podcast. I'm your host, the Rustic Preacher. Excited to bring you a new episode today. I would encourage you, if you're listening in for the first time, go back to Season 1, Episode 1, and just start to learn about what the Rustic Preacher is all about. To put it plain and simple, I am a Rustic Preacher. I'm a backwoods preacher that loves God, that's passionate about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and especially in the context of homesteading. I'm a homesteader at heart, and uh, on this you can you can hear back and you'll you'll see what it's all about. Also, those of you that are uh, have been following me, uh, hopefully we'll have a website out soon. But in the meantime, uh, if you would like to contact me, feel free to reach out with topics or ideas or questions uh, at the Rustic Preacher Podcast at gmail.com. Again, you can contact me by emailing me at the Rustic Preacher Podcast at gmail.com. So, what is today's episode all about? Well, actually, it's uh, not a new topic, though it's a new episode. It's actually an extension of the last episode. So, if you listen to Season 2, Episode 7, uh, talking about financial freedom, this is an extension of that. So, these are more tips and tricks to try to make farming frugal. Uh, if you're on the homestead and you're trying to stretch a dollar or you're trying to budget, that's kind of what I want to talk about today, tips and tricks that have to do with that. Now, I will say in the last episode, it is important that you listen to that because that is the steps that I follow uh, to get where I am today and the process that I not only follow uh, in my household, me and my wife, that we go through, but it's also the process that we counsel people in. And anyone that goes through our marital counseling or premarital counseling program, we take them through that. And that's Dave Ramsey, the seven baby steps. Now, I know Dave Ramsey can kind of be a cuss word. There's a lot of stereotypes or different ideas that people have about uh, his financial peace university and his opinions. And I'll just say I can speak from experience. It works and it can work with anyone's budget. Uh, it can work with any income. Whether it's seasonal income, whether it's a steady income, whether it's uh, a small income or large income, it, it really does. I've seen it work for people in the poverty area all the way up to people that are, that are wealthy and, and, and blessed in a financial position. So the idea is really if you want to make finances work on the farm, you've got to be debt free. It is the best outcome you could possibly succeed in the financial uh, spectrum in any area of life, if you're debt-free, you have freedom with your money. You can put your money where you want it. Like Proverbs 22.7 says, the slave is borrower to the lender. Uh, you guys don't need to be enslaved. I'm telling you, if you take the process in life and you go by the system that we have in America where you borrow money and you continue to borrow money and you take debt to succeed in life, It'll constantly be a weight on you. I'm telling you, it is a huge relief to not have to have debt. Now, I exhausted that idea, I think, in the last episode, but I do encourage you to listen to it so you can figure out the seven baby steps. So as we transition today, there has to be an understanding that the context in which I'm speaking of is to be debt-free. Now, me and my wife personally, as we went on our journey to get our homestead, uh, we have a few acres out here in the back country and in uh, the great Northwest, and uh, we love it. We love our property. We love the ability to raise animals. 
Uh, we have sheep. We had goats, but we got rid of them. I don't like goats. Wouldn't do it again. They're just a nuisance. Yes, they can be sweet. They can be cute. But I always say there's a reason that the satanic society uses the goat as an emblem of Satan. Because they are rough. <laughs> rough little horned creatures. They are, might come as a form of sweetness, but truly there is some evil to them. Anyways, all joking aside, we raise sheep. We raise all kinds of fowl. We raise quail. We raise guinea fowl. We raise turkeys, ducks, chickens. I mean, you name birds, we, we raise them. We raise a lot of different spectrum on, on the fowl. Um, we also have our work dogs. We have rabbits. There's, there's all kinds of animals that we raise, and we love it. We love it. We love raising a garden. We love the homestead life. With that, though, it doesn't always come cheap. Now, you can go out and find some remote cabin in the woods that's been abandoned, perhaps for $50,000 or less. I've heard of five-acre parcels with sheds for ten to fifteen grand in different areas, remote areas. But you have to understand, they're remote. There's a reason they were abandoned. That's one way you can do it, and you can probably save a lot of money and start out debt-free by being able to pay cash. Um... But most people, that's not going to work for them. It really is an undertaking to go off-grid. Uh, me and my wife did it for a while. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was harder on my wife, um, but it was hard on the whole family. And if I had to, I would do it again. But there are some blessings to the amenities that we have on a small homestead, an old farmhouse. It might be small, it might be rustic, but to us... That's beautiful. It's glorious. That's our dreams. But each person has their dreams. And that's the beauty of this. By being debt-free and putting your money and making your money work for you and not being enslaved to debt, you got options. You can make choices. You can live in a tiny home. You can live in a mansion. You can live on the bayou. You can live on a river, in the mountains, in the woods, in the farmland, in the plains, in the desert. You can make this work for you anywhere. But I'm telling you, Debt free is the way to go. So me and my wife, as we got our little homestead that we love, it costs some money. I'm going to tell you, the market right now is expensive. And if me and my wife hadn't been debt free and been piling up cash for a, uh, a down payment, we wouldn't have been able to afford this property. In the last 10 years especially, me and my wife have been making a point to put our money in places to be out of debt and to be very patient. And that's the first tip I have for you when it comes to finances on the farm. It takes patience. If this can be the one that you take away, don't get in a hurry when it comes to buying things, when it comes to spending money. When you are in a hurry, when you don't practice patience, you normally end up paying too much. So me and my wife, we waited for this property. Matter of fact, we stayed off-grid in a camp trailer without hookups. You wanted to take a shower, you had to go fill up jugs, bring water back, fill up a tank, run the shower while you're draining the gray tank and continuing at times to fill up the small tank that we had on the reservoir. When you have to dump, you have to haul it off. I mean, that was a hard way to live. But we did it with a purpose that we would be patient and that we could wait and find the exact property for the exact price we were looking for. And our patience paid off. We actually had a wish list on that list 
we made a list. We listed out what do we want in a homestead. And we listed those things out. And then we made a secondary list called the wish list. It's not ideal, but it would be cool if it had these things too. And the crazy thing is the property that we found, which I believe was by the grace of God that he blessed us with, that working through patience, it had everything not only on the list of our desires that we wanted, but it had everything on our wish list as well. And we looked at a lot of properties and we could have got very impatient, went into more debt, or settled for something that wasn't what we desired, but patience really paid off. The other thing with patience, not only for looking for property, but when you have different things that you need for the homestead, if you're willing to wait, you can shop sales. You can, you can bargain. You can keep your eyes open. And oftentimes, you're going to find deals. And that brings me to my next tip. After patience, buy used. Don't be f- afraid of the used market. I know so many people, there's so many horror stories about the used market. You don't know those people. You don't know what they did with that vehicle or with that tractor or with that tool or with that saw. Whatever it is with that animal. The used market can be scary. But if you're patient, you get to take your time and do your homework. You get to research what you want to buy. And when you can research what you want to buy, you can study it and know what to look for, especially on the used market. I hardly ever buy used. And if I do, I buy on sale. It's one of those things that if it is new, I can still wait. I can wait for uh, a Thanksgiving sale or a Christmas sale or a, or a, a Monday cyber sale, whatever it be. Uh, a Memorial Day sale, a President's Day sale. I mean, there's so many different sales out there that if you just wait, you can sometimes say 20, 30, 40, 50%. Clearance items are a beauty. <laughs> Look at the clearance section at Home Depot, um, but used markets are great. You can look up on uh, marketplaces or, or Craigslist or different things, uh, penny ads. If you guys have an, a newspaper, often they have a for sale ad. I know that sounds crazy because we have the internet, but there's all kinds of used markets that you can look at things. One of my favorite is yard sales and auctions. I love yard sales and auction. Matter of fact, as a family, we often love to take one day a week just to go to yard sales. We kind of have a, a want list that we make of things that we put on that list that would be nice to have that we don't need today. And we list them out most important to least important. For instance, we wanted to have a secondary vehicle. So we go, do we need a secondary vehicle? Not necessarily, but it would make things a lot more convenient. Let's put that on the list. We want to get a tractor for working the farm. Let's put that on the list. The tractor, is that more important than the vehicle for right now? It could be because it would make harvest a lot easier. It would allow us to get a lot more work done. So we might put that above the vehicle. But we also want to get a cream separator because we want to get a milking cow. Well, we don't even have the milking cow yet, so... The cream separator, it can go way down the list because it's a one-day thing. But if I see it in an auction or a yard sale for a super good deal, I might pick it up depending on that month's budget and put it away, put it in the shop so that when we get there, we might be able to use it. 
or it could be something like a chainsaw. That was one thing that we wanted on the homestead. I had sold my chainsaw before we moved, hoping to get another one, and I just had it on the list. Before winter, I want to get some firewood, so I'm going to keep looking for a chainsaw, and then boom, here at a yard sale, a great little still chainsaw, a good farm chainsaw. It's used, but I've noticed them. I've studied the different brands, the, the different models, and I go, this is a good brand, a good model. Everything looks to run. The guy starts it for me. A cold start, it fires up, it stays running, it idles well, the carb is tuned well. So boom, I buy it at a fraction of the price that a new one would cost me in a good use condition. This is how it works. Auctions are great, but be careful. Don't get in a bidding war. Remember, it always goes back to patience. Auctions can be a lot of fun. Live auctions, online auctions, you can sometimes find a good deal. But the one thing I found with auctions are a lot of people get addicted to clicking the button or raising their hand to bid. It's like gambling. There gets some kind of excitement about outbidding someone to see if they're going to win or not or how much the other person's willing to pay. Maybe five more dollars might get it. Maybe another five, maybe 10, maybe 20. And next thing you know, sometimes you end up buying new price or more for used items. So that brings me to my next one. Yes, buy on sale, find yard sale, go online, get clearance. But the next one is barter. Now, some of you guys that are more timid, you're going to hear this. You're going to think, that's not me. I'm telling you, cash and talk can sometimes make you a good deal or make you walk. But it's okay to walk away if you have the money because you'll find another one, especially if you're patient. Bartering can be a great tool. Now, this could be time. It could be money. It could be goods. For instance, I get pork sometimes or beef. Uh, because I don't want to exhaust my land with too many animals trying to raise everything. But what I find is someone is willing to trade me for chickens or for eggs to get other meat. For instance, I raise rabbits and I also raise quail. And my rabbit cages were pretty rough. I built them early on out of wood and wire. And I wanted to get some nice metal cages that could hold up and were a nicer shape than the ones I built out of wood because the rabbits, they chew up the wood. Uh, they're, they're very busy-bodied. They chew for their teeth health. Um, but when it's the cage, it doesn't work because eventually they get out or things get damaged or things, it can jeopardize the cage's integrity so something can get in and get them. So I wanted to get some new cages. And I remember... Going to a house, there was a lady there. I had been talking to her about some quail that I was raising, the eggs. She was very curious about it. And I noticed she had some rabbit cages. And I said, I noticed you have some rabbit cages over here that aren't being used. I am curious uh, if you were willing to sell them or not, or if you'd be interested in some trade. And she said, well, I don't really use them anymore. My kids used them a long time ago when they used to live at home and they're moved away. What did you have in mind? And I said, well, you are sounded very intrigued about quail or quail eggs and the health benefits. Would you be interested in maybe doing a partial trade? She says, well, I'll tell you what. You go ahead and take them, and I would like this many dozen quail eggs in return for the cages. So I was able to trade her a set number of dozens of quail eggs for these brand new rabbit cages. Now, these rabbit cages were used, but they were in good shape. And if I was to buy those rabbit cages, 
brand new from a manufacturer, it would cost me a few hundred dollars. But I was able to get away, I believe it was around a dozen, dozen eggs. And if I was to sell those eggs personally, that would cost me about $40. So that is a great deal through barter. Now, I do this in other areas as well. You know, you might find that there's something that you can raise on your property that other people can't, and you can really use it as currency. You can even work. It's one of those things that I love that's, a, that's often lost is people are willing to trade things for small labor or projects. I enjoy watching the old episodes of Little House on the Prairie with my children sometimes in the evening, and one of the things I notice a lot is the father of the Ingalls, he, I believe his name is Charles Ingalls in the show, he will often barter his time or labor or skills to buy things. He wants to get his wife a new china set, so he repaints the inside of a house, or he wants to get uh, his children a Christmas gift, so he fixes some wheels, some wagon wheels, or he wants to buy a piece of land and he doesn't have the money and the debt he doesn't have that ratio worked out for his budget. So what does he do? He finds some extra work at the mill or he digs a channel for water irrigation for a neighbor. This is a great opportunity. You might have some skill that in your free time you could exchange for barter. Um, my wife, she has skills. She has sewing skills that she's been able to use. She has artistic skills that she's been able to use. She does photography at times that she's been able to use as forms of barter. I myself have been able to do the same thing when it comes to fixing things or labor or firewood. There's just there's different things you can do. I've also made cages for other people that want to get started. You can incubate eggs and sell chicks. There's so many other forms of barter that you can use, things that you can sell or trade to get the things you want. It'll save you a ton of money in the long term. The next one I would bring up is big box bargains. Now, what does that mean? Big box stores sometimes carry big savings. Look at their clearance items. Look at what they have. But here's a trick that I always use. End of season sales. Every time a big box store has to transition a sale, they have to get rid of the old product. And it takes them a lot of time to log those items, to send the items back, store the items, depending on what the company made for a contract with the other uh, area that was shipped to them, the manufacturer. And it's oftentimes a lot of excess work or during certain seasons, they have to pay extra people to come in to log things and to, to move things on the floor and bring things in out. Sometimes they have to outsource that or get a secondary contract or a third-party contract. So oftentimes what they'll try to do is clearance things down to where they don't lose money, but they don't have to pay extra money to deal with the product. So at the end of the season, that's a great time to go into a store. For instance, I have a special fire pit that I love uh, to cook food on. It, it has a swinging grill and things like that so I can cook things over the wood fire. I take it camping. I often cook at my own place. Uh, I have people over from the church. I have guys' nights. Uh, we have birthday parties. I often cook on this fire pit. And almost every three years, it goes to the point where of no return. The bottom falls out. It's not 
really able to hold up or to be used anymore. So about every three years, at the end of the season, after Thanksgiving, it usually goes for a transition between their fall to their winter Christmas items. So oftentimes this fire pit every year goes on sale at a big box store, or I'll go in and I'll notice that they're sold out, but they still have a floor display. So I'll go to customer service and I'll say, look, I noticed that it's the end of the season, your ads are up, there's no more in the box, the display item's the last one there, would you guys be willing to give me a deal? And oftentimes, I don't even have to make an offer, and they'll give me like 30-40% off. And it's already put together, I don't have to do the work of assembling it. I just take it out, pay for it, and walk it out to the truck, and bring it home, and it's ready to use. I've even had times where I've gotten upwards of 50, 60 to 75% off display models, especially if they're transitioning to a new model or it's at the end of the year and they can't put it back in a box. You'd be amazed the kind of deals you can get at a big box store. The other thing is, if it's blemished, don't be afraid to ask for a better price. Big box stores, you can dicker at big box stores. You can barter at big box stores. You'd be amazed... All you have to do is just talk to a manager. I've even gone into stores where I've noticed that their sale ads have been out. A couple weeks later, come in and said, hey, last time I was in here, I noticed there was a sale. I didn't, it wasn't in stock. I didn't have the opportunity to pick it up. Would you still be willing to sell it to me at that last markdown price? Oftentimes, they say yes. I would actually say that in, when I'm speaking to management at big box stores, they more times give me a discount or work with me on a product's price than they don't. I get yeses more than I get noes. You'd be amazed. It just takes a little creativity and a willingness to just talk to someone. The next and last and final one is get creative. You can often get an outcome by doing it in an alternative way or having an alternative project or even inventing a new skill. Okay, I, for instance, I'll go back to quail or rabbits. I wanted to update my quail cages and I was trying to save money and finding a way in my budget because we have a monthly, monthly zero-based budget, me and my wife, that this is how much we have to spend on food, this is how much we have to spend on gas, this is how much we have to spend on utilities, this is how much we have to spend on clothing, on, on maintenance, uh, things like that. We make a budget every month. And in that budget, I try to save each month, maybe don't spend all the money out of that budget uh, item for that month so I can carry it over to the next month and the next month to build up the money and with patience be able to buy a product. Well, I really wanted roll-out quail cages where the eggs would roll out of the cage so I wouldn't have to open the door and reach in and try to collect the eggs because I wanted roll-out egg boxes for quail hutches. Well, I looked online, some of the more affordable ones that weren't very heavy duty were two, $300 a hutch. So I was trying to find one that's a middle road, one that would be decent, that would last a long time because you don't have to be cheap um, when it comes to being frugal. What I mean by that is sometimes it's better to spend more money at a discounted rate than it is to spend less if it's going to break. So I was trying to save up for this quail hutch and two or three months go by and it just clicked in my head 
what if I could build it just as good for cheaper on my spare time because I don't need it right now since I was going to take the next six months to save up to buy with it? What else could I get off of our wish list or our needs list in our budget with that money if I built it myself? So I bought a spool of wire. I've got some tools and some hog rings, and I designed and built my own roll-out egg quail hutches out of metal that are going to last an extremely long time. They've already lasted a few years, and they don't show any signs of wear after a couple years. These are going to last a long time, maybe even longer than I want to do quail, and one day could even possibly sell them. But all I had to do was buy a few little items, and it cost me about $50 in material to make what I was going to spend four or $500 on. All I did was Google how to make this. Found a YouTube video. You would be amazed. The other thing is, find an alternative product. There might be something that will do the same job. Um, we needed some gates. And I had an area where some pins that I wanted to get some gates. I thought it would be nice to have some cattle panels. It would be nice to get a gate put in here. And then I went, well, what do I have around the place that I might be able to build out of the products I have? Or is there something that I could use as an alternative to the gates or to the shelters? And I found myself using things like pallets to make shelter structures or things like that. Um, old trailers to, to make into mobile tractors for chicken tractors. I mean, there's different things that you can do or make. By just being creative. Um, I remember early on, this is a fond memory that I have, that I was so broke that it, I didn't have enough money in the budget to get new jeans. And I really needed jeans and I was going to go hunting. And we looked in our house and what I found was, is I had a brand new pair of Carhartt pants that were given to me for a birthday or Christmas that were too small in the waist. They were the right length. They were a great pair of pants, but they were a gift. I didn't have a receipt, no way of taking them back, so I just stuffed them in the closet. Well, my wife knows how to sew. So what she did for me is I said, is there a way that you can maybe cut down the seam, add some material, and it would allow it to be a little wider at the waist so that I could put them on and wear them because they're brand spanking new Carhartt pants. So my wife did that very thing from the hip to the knee, she split the seam, she added material, and it put this V-shaped uh, pair of old jean material in between the two. She sewed them up. They worked great. I wore them for about a year, and I still I saved those pants to be an example of creativity and to remind me of where we came from, to where I couldn't even afford a pair of new jeans, that my ripped-up work pants, that I didn't have a decent pair of pants, but my wife was able to sew and we got creative and those jeans worked great for working and hunting for that year as we got things in order for this broke new newlywed couple. And it's just, man, it's a beautiful thing. So this is like five different ways. Show patience, number one. Buy used. Uh, barter. Big box bargains. Get creative. All these things are different ways that you can budget and find ways to add to your finances on the farm. I know that it can be scary at times. You think that seems impossible. How can you afford that? It takes time. It takes patience. Save up. 
Work out your budget every month. Talk about your finances. Become partners with your spouse that you are going to work together to your goals and you're both going to have the same attitude when it comes to spending, that you're going to work together to get what you want. And it's worth it. But this can only happen if you're not slave to debt. So I encourage you, go back and listen to that episode. Get debt free. Then be patient and walk together seeking God and fulfilling these blessings of being a good steward with the money that He gives you. It's a beautiful thing. There's so much peace that comes out of that. And you get to live out your dreams together without this shadow of just guilt or shame or fear of of this debt that just hangs over you constantly as a burden. Uh, Those are just some ideas. I hope that helps. Even if you're not a big homesteader, no matter what scale you live at, you can live in an apartment and have an herb garden in your window. This stuff works. Even if you're just a student at college or you're single or married or have 10 kids, these are just some good things that you can apply to help with your financial goals and to save a penny here to put a penny there. It really adds up at the end of the day. With that, I hope you all are blessed. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a little bit of something from it. Even if it's one thing that you can take with you into your week or the rest of your life, you never know. But I'll end and close with this and reminding you that God is good all the time and God is real, so we should be real too. Have a blessed day. Mm-hmm.